Hello and welcome to this Gen podcast and with me today, Crystal Lee, production manager and her mentor, Spike Line, technical director of Indigenous Theatre at the National Arts Centre of Canada. Welcome. How are you both doing? Excellent, Rima. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Uh, because we spent this year online, so and it's an audio creation, so it's really easy to take people with us in other places. If we would meet in person, where would you like we meet? So I met Spike uh, through an internship uh, at the NAC, and um, I guess my memory associated with Spike is always in Ottawa. Um, so I want to say anytime we had, like, whether they were personal uh, conversations or professional conversations, they were always <laughs> in the NAC somewhere, in the nooks and crannies of the NAC. Perhaps I'm just being nostalgic of, like, being in a theater, but I, I would say we would probably meet uh, in the house of Southern Hall, just because I, I really think that's a beautiful space, and I really always love being either backstage or in the audience. Mm. Spike, do you agree with that? Um, overall, yes, but I, I'd say maybe uh, uh, by the canal in uh, on one of the parks or something like that, just because it's, it's a nice mm-hmm. day. That's nice. You know, get outside. You know, that's fair. <laughs> uh, just because you know, at the NAC, uh, you know, we now have windows since the renovations, but uh, prior to that, it was uh, uh, it was quite a a dark gothic place (laughs) i like the canal i think i will go with that yeah yeah that's fair (laughs) Uh, crystal you're a production manager yeah i'm really curious to know how did you get involved in uh, this gen fellowship because these kind of fellowships you know when you hear about them you immediately think of a playwright a director uh, an actor (laughs) but for a production manager what brought you there I have been involved with Why Not through a few other projects that they were doing. They were, I was fortunate enough to, I guess, have been noticed by them. And then uh, they've been hiring me on uh, since the early days of my career. And I love the company. So um, just getting to be in, involved in some conversations of like other initiatives that they're working on, uh, this gen kind of came up and I... I suggested that uh, that it would be nice to have other voices that are not, uh, I guess, from from the technical and logistic and management sides, because they're often not seen as creatives or artistics, and their voices are also important. Their mentorship and, and opportunities for that are also important. And I really think that uh, in order for creative, if we're if we're going to kind of call them that, um, a creative or a designer or a director, or a playwright, to have uh, the support that they need. To really focus on their craft, they need good technical support, good management, good good people who want to like make sure that their process is is seen and heard. So after Ravi and Miriam and, and Kelly Reed uh, all said, well, you know what, this might be a really serendipitous opportunity for you to be part of this mentorship. You're embarking on a large project with us. So that can sort of be uh, attached to this project um, as well. Uh, and and the show that I was working on at the time was going to be the objective of this fellowship. It's since changed since uh, COVID, but um, yeah, it was really just, I was in the right place at the right time and I was heard. I'm often always heard at, at Why Not. So yeah, they thought of me and here I am. I have to tell you that I was very excited to know that you are part of the, of the fellowship because uh, one of the things that we usually struggle with is to find to meet the perfect production manager. Ooh, perfect production manager. <laughs> it's really something important. Uh, for you, Spike, did you already know 
when you went to theater school that you want to become a technical director or a production manager? Oh, not at all. Uh, when I first went to theater school, I thought I was going to be a stage manager uh, because mm-hmm. I, that's what I knew. I, you know, uh, in high school, I'd done you know a little bit of uh, production, you know, working backstage. Uh, and then when I got out of high school, I kind of had a, let's call it a gap year. Uh, and I uh, worked for my dad, but I was also doing amateur musicals in Hamilton and uh, did ended up stage managing a very large production of uh, Annie that happened just as I was applying to the theater school. Uh, and so that's what I thought, you know, uh, oh, this looks like fun. It looks cool, you know, being stage manager. And I got to the theater school and was like, no, that's not what I want to be. And actually, I wanted to be a lighting designer. Uh, and so that's what I, I was doing. But uh, in Montreal, I decided to stay in Montreal. Um, it was hard to, to be just a, a lighting designer. So I uh, ended up working at the Sadie Bronfman Center, which is now called the Siegel Center, and ended up being a technical director there, but also being a lighting designer at the same time, working with the Yiddish Theater there as the resident lighting designer. And so it was also gave me that ability to um, hone my craft at that time. And it it just kind of kept happening that I kept ending up in these kind of technical director, production management roles just to put food on the table. And I I also ended up working at McGill for 10 years as the, uh, what was my title there? Technical production manager. And were you mentored by other people back then when you were young? It wasn't quite as defined. Uh, at that uh, at that time, mm-hmm. I, I think that uh, you know you certainly found people that you looked up to that you could use as role models, uh, but there there didn't seem to be the same kind of thing that there is now. At that time, it was still very much well. That's just the way we do it. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Crystal, when you started your fellowship, um, did you have already a specific clear questions or topics that you wanted to touch on? And did you have a clear idea of your time with um, Spike? Yeah, I guess uh, the pandemic kind of threw a wrench in everything, of course. Um, the first shape of this fellowship was um, ultimately to tour a larger scale project um, that Why Not Theatre is working on currently. It was uh, going to Shaw Festival. Uh, they were working under a different model with Shaw. Um, because it was more of a co-production kind of process, I guess. Um, And so Why Not had their own resources. Uh, They had their own producers, and they also hired me as their production manager. Um, Shaw already has all these resources, so it it seems to be a little bit awkward for us to come in uh, into a well-oiled machine already. So just, A, navigating around what that means within Shaw Festival, how to, like learn about the show using their resources uh, so that I can take it internationally uh, was sort of like the big objective for this fellowship. I have no idea how to do that. I've never done any international touring. I've barely done any touring. And a lot of my growth, I would say, in management really came out of the National Arts Centre under Spike. Um, So I just wanted to keep that consistent. Of course, once the pandemic hit, we scrapped that. I mean, we're, there is some focus a little bit here and there as some questions are clarified in, in that process. But ultimately, I wanted to shift it to a larger question that I've been thinking about uh, since I moved to Toronto two years ago to start my career. And this was sort of like the ethics of what 
production management is certainly in the Indian industry, which is um, where I, I was getting most of my income from. It was very hard. <laughs> and it's funny that, you know, Spike says this is just how it's done, because it certainly was that sort of mentality um, in Toronto, for sure. Uh, you know, you, you get paid one flat fee and no one ever questions like the scale of the project. The manager is never brought in early enough to like have a say in how the process can be. And I find a lot of my colleagues, you know, are, are either burnt out or like very resentful of the process. And that's not why I wanted to do mm -hmm. theater. I wanted to do theater to celebrate with my mm -hmm. artistic collaborators. I would like to come back to this and that the rubric you are preparing, but yeah. I would like to build on your answer, uh, Spike, giving this um, uh, special circumstances. Um, what was very important for you to pass on to meet those questions that uh, Crystal had? And um, was it really doable during the pandemic? Yeah, actually, you know what? It, in some ways, this is the best time to be having this discussion, I think, uh, because, you know, as, as some people call it, you know, the great intermission, the great pause, uh, whatever you want to call it, that we're, everyone is now sort of reevaluating their lives within live theater and in production, especially just because of, of the number of hours that's usually requested of us, um, that all of a sudden people are going, oh my God, this is what it's like to be home at night? Uh, and, you know, or at you know, 6 p.m. where you know, you're not constantly uh, working. So I think uh, this is, is such a great time to be having these discussions where we can serve a, Reevaluate where you're not, your head's not completely stuck, stuck in a show or a festival, or you know that you're jumping from venue to venue because you're you know you're trying to hold down six jobs to pay rent in Toronto. Um, so, and what, what's also been great about this is that I'm learning as much as Crystal is. I think I maybe even more, uh, partly you know about some of my own, I don't want to say prejudices, but work practices that are entrenched. Uh, both within me, but also within the industry, and how to relook at those and how to try to explode them and try to find a way to break out of them. Uh, you know, I'm I'm loving not being stuck in my office all the time. And what we've been able to do because of this pause is I've been able to also call on other friends and acquaintances to also join us in the in these conversations. Um, and both Chris and I have uh, joined a, a group um, that are all uh, former NTS uh, graduates, uh, all coming out of production and having the discussion about um, what schools teach and the, the show must go on mentality and that this is just the way you do it. And this is why theater schools drive production students to extreme so that they're ready for this industry that demands that we drive ourselves mm -hmm. to extremes. And uh, the, the burnout level within production is incredible. Uh, and it manifests in, in various ways, you know, whether it's aberrant behavior, addictions, uh, home life uh, problems. So it's great having these conversations. Mm -hmm. Crystal, this will bring me to the in one of the meetings, you mentioned that you're working on definitions. 
defining the role of a production manager or creative producer or a technical uh, director. Um, I would really like to hear from you about those and also the pay rubric that you were working on. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so part of this pandemic pause, I've been spending a lot of my time with uh, another network of production managers who are like-minded. The group is called Means of Production, so I really can't take all the credit of like doing the research and, and creating these uh, these documents and building standards because it, it really is a collaborative piece of infrastructure that can't come from one voice anyways. So we meet on a weekly basis and so far we've completed our phase one, if that's what we're calling it. It really came out of conversation of like, okay, well, what is a production manager? Um, what is a technical director? What is a PMTD, which is like the classic indie job, <laughs> is to combine both those roles, which are both massive roles. But I don't think anyone has ever really advocated for what those roles can and can't do because there was never a written definition of those things. At least not one that we were able to pull very easily. Um, I think we, we came up with a Frankenstein version of like several different contracts. Um, so the first step was eliminating the industry definition of what a PMTD is, which is essentially the, the sole production person who deals with all logis logistics, production logistics. That's not a sustainable practice. So um, it's part of our common language to just get rid of that. Instead, we want to really focus on what the production manager does in a macro uh, sense, looking at all the elements, making sure there's equity between all those elements, prioritizing where you need to, and then distill it down to production logistics, uh, which is where the technical director comes in. Those two jobs can be compiled. It just means that there are sacrifices, but maybe those don't really make any difference depending on the scale of your show. And that's really what we wanted to accomplish with this document was we want to understand our value. <laughs> And we also want to educate others in like how to value us. Like it was only because people didn't know what we did and kind of lumped us in into what they thought we did and then sort of paying us based on the amount of hours they thought we were going to do. Yeah, so there was a huge discrepancy in like what the education was versus what the, the reality was within contracting. And I think it is a learned behavior that we don't see our own worth. Maybe because we aren't spotlit very often but yeah it does come out of school it does come out of like you know making sure that you're you're tough enough to like withstand this kind of treatment um, it's also important to have the production managers involved from the beginning of the process and to communicate with uh, with them like you communicate with every uh, participant in the in the work um spike i have a question to you about because you have a big experience and um, i'm curious to know if you would compare uh, the production manager technical director role in the past and now do you see a big shift in the role i don't know how much of a change there has been just unfortunately in Canada that, and, and I think it's probably the same anywhere, that there are so many people still in the same job 30 years on. So it's still the same in a lot of ways that uh, people who, you know, started free computers are still in, you know, major positions in, in Canadian theater. Uh, and that they're not, they don't want to change. It's, you know, why should I change? I've been doing it the same way for, you know, 30 years. All my forms are the same. I used to do them by hand and, you know, 
five years ago, I finally put them into Excel. Um, but I don't think it's changed that much. There, you know, I think that uh, there, there is change. Don't get me wrong. There, there is change. I, 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 I'm sometimes a bit cynical about that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's very slow and, and yeah. uh, tiny incremental changes. Um, you know, safety has become such a um, ingrained thing now. When I went to theater school, and this was kind of a conversation we had with this, this MTS group the other day, when I went to school, the thought of safety, steel toe shoes or hard hats or, you know, tying yourself off to something didn't even come, come into it. You know, our, the, the technical director of the school used to like climb up the back of, you know, 20 foot high flats to fix a light, you know, with, without any thought of his safety or whatever. Um, and we just thought that was cool. It's like, oh my God, I can do that. Um, now, like if like you told that to Crystal's class or so, and they would just look at you in horror. Uh, so, so certainly that has changed, and it's not a, a, a you know a paradigm shift, shall we say? So, I it, it's very incremental, and it, it's as you get rid of um, the dinosaurs, then you can start doing change. Unfortunately, uh, and and you often see this in university programs, uh, is that the teacher from you know the 1960s who came up from the united states because they're getting away from the draft came up here and were teaching theater and then they taught a bunch of students who now have taken all of that idea and just are now the teachers breaking that that model of like how do you break us out of that and move forward and create a, an ethical production management or a technical direction or for anyone in in theater in one way that's kind of where unions kind of play a good role. They standardize the work week and the hours. Uh, it kind of helps drive it for management to maybe be a bit more you know, respectful to themselves. Yeah. Crystal, um, why not theater initiated this gen fellowship to support BPOC identifying female artists to get to the next level in their career? For you as a production manager, um, young production manager. What is the next level in your career? Yeah, I mean, I think I have a lot of passion projects <laughs> in the works right now. Um, this sort of fight for equity mm -hmm. and and uh, better working standards doesn't stop after the fellowship ends. So I, I think I will continue working with um, the ad hoc group, group that I was mentioning before, Means of Production. That's more of like infrastructure building, um, potentially formalizing into some sort of association, depending on what the needs are. That's that's not uh, official yet. Yeah. And then kind of moving into a more application process uh, within my own production firm. The production firm is called What by When, uh, that I'm working with a few other associates in developing. And that's really to kind of with all of these standards, mm -hmm. apply it to a contract that we would give out to clients and they would hire our production firm. And within the production firm, we would sort of like figure out what's a workable schedule for everyone, uh, share thoughts, collaborate on an equal level so that ultimately we can kind of help each other out in times of like great stress or like when it is too much to handle for one person or like if, if we choose to have a family for instance you know those hours are uh aside from that i'm also going to be working for why not theater as their production manager officially in september 
And then I'm also working with Yes Theater in Sudbury uh, just on a very part-time show-to-show basis when I can uh, to support their growing model as well to help the youth artist. Mm-hmm. I think you answered my next question, <laughs> which is what you are busy with right now. So I would like to All ask you, Spike, what you are busy with right now. What I'm working on right now, we just finished at the Art Center a project that our CEO had tasked the production office with, which was to help create a national guidelines for reopening post-COVID, or actually not, sorry, not post-COVID, pre, pre-vaccine, to develop a toolkit to help not necessarily well-established centers to reopen because they've already done some of that work. Uh, but our hope is that this will be a toolkit that anyone from the smallest theater venue or performance space can take and uh, adapt to their venue. Or, or even if you're a producing company that goes into a venue, that you can uh, look at this and go, okay, venue X, have you done this? And how will we work together to make sure that our audience and our uh, cast and our, and our team are, are safe? Uh, so that's been the big thing. Uh, we talked to like 58 different organizations across Canada. We had Zoom meetings with them to just sort of talk about, you know, what their plans were. What would you do if there was a second phase? You know, what what would make you close down and things like that. But then after that, it was just us kind of banging our heads going, uh, okay, what, what do we actually want to create here? We kind of fell on the idea of creating an audit uh, of the space and how do you look at your room and, and make it as expandable or compressed as possible that that, that was that was a really interesting project to be on. Um, I also worked on uh, Canada Performs, which is a um, uh, an initiative set up by mm-hmm. Facebook with uh, our music and variety uh, department at the NAC that uh, was give money to artists to do online uh, performances mm-hmm. uh, post after uh, once you know the the pandemic started and once everyone was you know sort of homebound and so we ended mm-hmm. up presenting something like 700 different artists and so I was I ended up being the technical director for that and you know talking to artists and helping them with their streaming issues and things like that um and then with my role with uh, mm-hmm. Indigenous Theatre yeah. our show is going to be what it was it going to look like you know we, we canceled a lot of shows not to mention shows that uh we had upcoming that were canceled uh and you know do we do we shift those shows to next year just to january and what and you know yeah definitely as a theater community we are dealing with a lot of uncertainty now and there's not a clear plan for next year that was really a nice conversation with the two of you yes thank Thank you. you very much and i wish you all the best with the rest of your phase one and I'm actually going to go on vacation and visit Spike, so... And I hope one day I will come to see the canal. Yeah, that would be my plan for <laughs> yes. next year. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. That was This Gen Podcast, created by Rima Jabber. If you would like to know more about This Gen Fellowship, please check Why Not Theatre website at whynot.theatre. Thank you.